Hi, good afternoon, and I'd like to welcome you back to our talk on hepatic imaging. And this is the second part of what is a multi-part presentation. And why don't we start here with where we left off last time. What the question was, what about the patient with suspected hepatic mass? So in many ways, the questions have been the same they've been for 30 years. Is there a liver mass present? Yes, no, or indeterminate? If the mass is present, is it a simple cyst or hemangioma, the most common lesions, benign, leave alone lesions? Is it FNH, fulconage hyperplasia? Is it hepatic adenoma? Is it a benign tumor like an FNH? Is it a hepatoma? Is it metastasis? What exactly is the lesion? And from CT alone, can we make a very specific diagnosis like hemangioma, or FNH, or a cyst? Or do we need other studies, be it ultrasound or MR? Or do we need a biopsy? So let, let's look at some of the questions um, that we need to answer. Another thing I want to look at, and again, a focus of this lecture is using CT angiography. And the question would be, can CTA with 3D imaging actually help our ability to both detect and classify liver lesions? So we'll look at that. First, let's look at a few quotes. Here's an article from Hopkins. 16 slice MDCT allows robust evaluation of the hepatic parenchyma with the potential for improved detection and characterization of focal liver lesions. Couldn't have said it better myself. And in that same article, it was shown that routine 3D evaluation and interpretation offered a faster and more comprehensive assessment of the liver parenchyma than with axial images alone. And again, this new paradigm of hepatic imaging, this volume acquisition, again, is brought into focus. And let's just look at a few examples. And here's a simple case two axial images, vascular lesion, left lobe of liver. You can go through a differential, but what I want to focus on is what the axial shows and what the 3D shows. Axial, hypervascular lesion, prominent feeding vessel. You can see it here again, but when you go to 3D, what you really appreciate on this MIP image is the perfusion changes. And one of the big things we're going to look at in terms of CTA in the liver is perfusion imaging. And here you very nicely see the hyperperfusion of the lateral aspect of the left lobe. And you see it again here and on this image. Again, comments I've made before about volume rendering in MIP that I like MIP many times for perfusion in the liver and kidneys. And this is a good example where the MIP works well. If we look at this lesion a bit closer, besides that hypervascularity, what I can do is see a prominent feeding vessel. And this was a uh, focal nodule hyperplasia. Small vessel but prominent, feeding the lesion, perfusion changes, and a lesion that would become isodense on late phase imaging. And here's just a few more perspectives. So again, we're learning a lot more about liver imaging by looking at these maps. Let's look case by case then at number of different lesions and let's see what we typically see. Well, simple as most common lesion probably seen in 10% of patients is hepatic cysts. Just like renal cysts, their water density have sharp margins. They do not enhance. They can be single or they can be multiple. They range in size from a millimeter or two to 20 centimeters or so. You can see this example on 3D with MIP or volume rendering. Well-defined, unless there's a very large cystic lesion, there is no evidence of vessel displacement of node and there's no neovascularity. Very classic for hepatic cysts. In most cases, hepatic cysts give no perfusion changes. You will see perfusion changes, as in this case, if the lesions are very large. Again, even a simple cyst, if it's large enough and compresses critical structures, 
will give perfusion changes. In this case, you can see perfusion changes right lobe of liver. You also can see the fact that the patient's IVC is compressed. This patient eventually developed lower extremity edema. So it's very important to recognize that uh, you want to be very careful that although it's a benign lesion, it can act aggressively. Patients can present with lymphedema, back pain, uh, they can present with congestive heart failure, and again, perfusion changes are there. Now, you want to be careful because perfusion changes, although they can occur simply by mass effect, occur in other lesions that are cystic like abscesses. So here's an example of hepatic abscess with perfusion changes. I will admit this is not a difficult case. It's not that sharp water density like the prior examples. It's irregular. There's septations. And the perfusion is markedly irregular. So I don't think you're going to make a mistake in that case. And you're not going to make a mistake in this case with hepatic infarcts. There's air bubbles. Obviously, that's an issue. It's irregular. The wall's thick and thick and irregular. And this is infected. Infection versus infarction is what you're thinking. This is a liver infarct. Liver infarcts are typical complications of surgery. They're complications of perfusion changes in liver transplant patients. Just a very, very nice example of a liver infarct in that example. Also, liver infarcts uh, are not an uncommon sequela of trauma. Another lesion. So let's, instead of naming the lesion, first let's say the question. If I think of hepatic bleed, what's the cause? Well, it could be trauma. That's easy. But let's say the patient has not had trauma. What's the possibilities? Well, maybe the patient's on anticoagulant therapy. That causes bleeds everywhere from the adrenal to the kidneys to muscle to brain. Maybe it's iatrogenic, had a biopsy. Good thought. Or maybe it's an underlying tumor. So it's important to remember in the absence of anticoagulant therapy, in the absence of trauma or biopsy, if something bleeds, my first thought is hepatic adenoma. Hepatomas can bleed, hemangiomas can bleed, but hemangiomas showed a biopsy. It's very unusual. Now, when I see a spontaneous bleed in the liver, I have to worry. In a younger female, I'm thinking hepatic adenoma, but in a 70-plus-year-old like this patient who presents with right upper quadrant pain, which was felt to be acute cholecystitis, you see a bleed, you got to think tumor. Now, it is true that with hepatic adenomas, often you don't see the lesions after they bleed in rupture. But when I think of an older patient and I see a bleed, you've got to be thinking about the possibility of hepatoma. And hepatoma in some of the literature from Japan presents with spontaneous bleed in 25% of the cases. And here's just a few more images. So you can see large mass, and this was a hepatoma. Again, it can be difficult. Can you think of FNH? Uh, I guess you can. The liver is somewhat cirrhotic. FNH, hepatic adenomas, are not in cirrhotic livers. But cirrhotic liver, spontaneous bleed, you better think about the possibility of the patient having an underlying um, hepatoma. Another problem issue re relates to regenerating nodules. There's a range of different regenerating nodules, and I'm not going to go through that now. It's something you should read, be somewhat familiar with, and we can discuss another time if you're interested. But I think the thing about regenerating nodules is the fact that it can be difficult to distinguish from hepatomas. You have a big liver, in this case a few hypervascular lesions. Could this be hepatoma? I guess so. Could it be regenerating nodules? Definitely a possibility. Could it be METS from vascular tumor? Something else to think about. But, you know, what do you do? This patient had bug chiari. Well, you don't see the hepatic veins, and that's more likely to make you think about the possibility 
of a uh, regenerating nodule, but still, what do you do? Well, I have found one thing. Look at the next phase, the later phase. You see the lesions are not as well defined, but you do see them. But the thing about the lesions, when you look very carefully at the lesion, you actually notice that the lesion from arterial to venous phase actually gets larger. When you think about it, no hepatic tumor gets larger over time. Hepatomas can stay the same, become isodense, hemangiomas become small, and metastasis stay the same, or they're better seen, but they don't change size. And if they change size, they're going to get smaller because they fill in. Nothing else looks bigger over time. So my rule is that if I see a lesion or lesions that are hypervascular and they wash out, they're still seen but get larger, I'm thinking regenerating nodules. Again, something very important to think about. Can be a very difficult diagnosis. Here's one more example. Again, sometimes you will have to biopsy it. People have suggested, here's the same patient in 3D, doing non-contrast CTs in these patients. They're regenerating nodules because of increased iron content, maybe denser on early phase imaging, uh, particularly on the uh, non-contrast phase imaging. But again, uh, that's something that doesn't always work. So think of my rule of a bigger lesion. What else can I think about? Well, what lesions can simulate hepatic tumors, particularly malignant tumor? Well, here's a case. What's going on here? Multiple hepatic lesions. Is this metastatic? What exactly is going on? Well, we showed you this example. It was regenerating nodules. But a number of things can simulate malignancies. So abscesses, sarcoid, angiomyolipomas, theoretically, infarcts, regenerating nodules we mentioned, and AV malformations. So it's very important to recognize that many things can simulate malignancies. Regenerating nodule is the one I think about the most, but things like sarcoid can look like metastasis. And we'll look at some examples. Now, article about infection in the liver, recent technologic changes improve our detection and characterization and management of infectious diseases in the liver. Good article by Mortelli. And does make the point that sometimes there's a range of abscesses, but occasionally abscesses can look like metastasis, can look like necrotic tumor. I've made that mistake. I've seen patients come in, large mass, looks like malignancy, weight loss, the classic history, and then you end up biopsying it, and it's really all pus. So there is an issue. So let's look at some things with abscesses. Hepatic abscesses, pyogenic type, caused by hematogenous spread from the GI tract, ascending cholangitis, or superinfection. E. coli is the most common agent. Typical history is fever, abdominal pain, weight loss. Again, can simulate the history of malignancy and elevated liver function tests. Just some CT findings. It can be single or multiple. Can involve part of the liver, typically the right lobe or the entire liver. Size from millimeters to centimeters. Rim enhancement can occur. Air within the lesions does occur, but it's infrequent. Here's an example. You can see the lesions are cystic, but there's nodularity and enhancement in the wall. Could this be a metastatic cystic tumor from ovary or a just metastatic tumor to the liver? With the right history, the answer is obviously yes. So again, at times with CT, we're excellent at detection, not always 100% in terms of specificity. But this is a very nice example of what we'd call a bullseye lesion. Here's a case I showed you before, but this is much easier. Lots of perfusion changes, a regular cystic but thickened wall, that's an abscess. Or this one. 
Here you might have a bigger problem, not seeing the lesion, but saying, could this be hepatoma, necrotic metastasis, history suggests a tumor, but this was a large hepatic abscess, again, due to E. coli infection. And here again, here's another set of abscesses, same patient, and I'll show you this patient again on a coronal display. So again, think about these possibilities. We also know abscesses can be small and very cystic. Here's one. Now, in this case, you see the abscess, the dome of the liver. There's some perfusion changes, a thickened wall. And here it is again. I think the reason why this was fairly easy was a post-op patient. It was a new lesion. So that makes life very easy. Post-operative studies. Again, look back at the original study. If a lesion is cystic, you better make sure it was there on the original study. If not, it's probably an abscess. We speak about fungal abscesses, particularly in the immunocompromised host. Although these abscesses are often multiple, it may not be only hepatic involvement. Common to see spleen as well as renal involvement. Candidiasis is the most common, though there are other organisms. Um, these abscesses are very small, they're multiple. And for diagnosis, one of the keys really is this multi-organ involvement. And of course, the clinical history makes life easy. Here's a patient immunosuppressed, widespread, multiple miliary liver lesions, candidiasis. This is a good example of where it was only in the liver and you didn't have significant splenic or renal involvement. Let me mention the one other infectious process, a very unusual one, bacillary angiomatosis, which is a relative of cat scratch fever. It's referred to in the liver as peliosis hepatis. You have multiple low density lesions, some are often vascular, they can become isodense on late phase imaging. You can see it in bone, you can see it in muscle and soft tissue, you can see it in many different organs. And here's just a great example. Look at the lesions in the liver and the spleen. Again, you can think about metastasis, I guess immunosuppressed, you think about abscesses. But look at the lesions, multiple small lesions. And what's really neat about basilar angiomatosis, which can involve liver, spleen, muscle, bone, they're often vascular. Look what happens on late phase imaging. The lesions are gone. That is the most impressive isodense lesions I've seen. We think about isodense lesions, hemangioma. We think about FNH, occasionally hepatic adenoma. We never think about abscesses becoming isodense. Most of the time, abscesses are better seen on late phase imaging. So it's very important to consider that possibility. So in saying that, there are a number of things that can simulate malignancies. And again, you can see how infection is one of the more common. So why don't we stop there? I think we've used up our time today, and let's come back and look at some more of the great mimickers. With that, have a nice day, and see you soon.